Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was a Baltimore Police Department detective, and at the time, in early 2021, I worked directly out of the Northern District in the city. On the night in question, I was in my office at home late at night in suburban Howard County, Maryland. I live alone. I often would find myself unable to sleep at night, so I would head to my office to work. That particular night, I was going through a case file that I was working on. Then I heard an unusual noise. It was just different enough from anything I was used to hearing around the house that it caught my attention, not to mention. It was around two o'clock in the morning. It sounded like something heavy was hitting the ground. It was coming from the yard behind the house. I stood up and I cocked my head to the side to try and pinpoint the exact location. But as I listened closer, I realized that it sounded like it might actually be much closer to the house, like right outside the kitchen in the back. I stepped away from my desk and I moved toward my office door. My office was just down the hall from the kitchen, so I opened the door slowly and stepped out to investigate, but first I listened again to be sure I was correct on the direction it was coming from. Sure enough, 
I heard it again from the area outside the kitchen. I started to make my way down the hallway, and as I got closer, the noise got louder. I reached the kitchen, and I looked toward the door. The noise had gone silent, almost like whatever was making the noise knew I was listening to it. I slowly and very quietly opened the door to the outside. When I did, I was shocked at what I was looking at. Standing on the patio, moving around and making the noise, was a creature, unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was about seven feet tall and totally covered in black and reddish brown fur. It had a long snout with teeth protruding at odd angles. The creature turned towards me when the door opened, almost like it instinctively knew I was there. I was totally quiet when I opened the door. The creature quickly focused on me and lunged toward me, hissing. I quickly stepped back inside and shut the door. I had to think fast and determine a suitable plan of action. I decided to head back to my office, where I hoped to watch it undetected from my office window. I proceeded to look through the window, but it wasn't long before I heard the sounds of the creature breaking into the house through the kitchen door. I pulled out my gun and I aimed it down the hallway. As I slowly opened the office door, I could hear but not see the creature in the kitchen. I listened as it was moving around with a lot of force and stepping heavily on the wood floor. I could also hear it snorting as it moved about. It sounded like something out of a horror film. I thought that if I just stayed quiet, it might just leave, which would have been the optimal outcome. I listened to it for a while while it moved in the kitchen, but then I heard it go into the dining room. I could hear glass breaking and furniture being shoved around. It seemed to be very angry. I finally opened my office door all the way and stepped out completely into the hallway. I slowly walked towards the dining room with my gun still raised. As soon as I got close, I peeked my head around the corner. It turned its head towards me and instantly started to growl. It had an angry look on its face with a human-like expression. I sensed that it wanted to tear me apart right there. But instead of rushing and attacking me, it suddenly went silent again. It quickly rushed back to the kitchen and hurled itself out through the back door. I didn't know what to think at that point. On one hand, I was relieved that it had left, but at the same time, I somehow felt concerned that it may return at some point. I decided then and there that I would find out more about this creature. My confusion and fear turned into anger. I wanted to know who or what this thing was and why it had come into my house. I've done a lot of research, mainly online but it's been difficult to find anything that really matched what happened. I wondered why it came into the house and what it was looking for. The other descriptions online were generally similar. It was bipedal with pointed ears, large yellow-tinged eyes, and canine-like teeth. It also had a very pungent sulfur-like odor that I can still smell in my memory. My research led to your blog and my contacting you. I have many questions and would like to talk. I still live in the same house, but I currently work for another local law enforcement department. I have not seen the creature since that night, but I instinctively know that it still roams in my area. I wish to remain completely anonymous and discreet about my encounter. My encounter with a Bigfoot happened when I was 11, which was eight years ago. I lived near Childress, Texas, 
I was out playing in the backyard against the tree line. I was playing with rocks and sticks. Then I noticed trash leading into the woods, so I started to follow it and picked up the trash. Then all of a sudden I heard leaves crunching, and I looked around, and I saw a deer just standing there. I didn't bother the deer and continued to pick up the trash. As I was doing so, I felt something watching me. At first I thought it was the deer, but I looked, and it wasn't looking at me, so I kept looking at the deer, and all of a sudden the deer looked up and stood there, not looking at me, but to the left. So I followed its view, and I saw something tall and black standing behind some trees. I didn't know what it was, so I just watched it and the deer. I kept watching them for about a minute. Then the deer took off, and once I looked over at the other thing, I saw that it was watching me. I didn't feel like I was in danger, so I picked up the rest and stood up. I looked around for it, but it was gone. I didn't know exactly what I saw, but it felt friendly like it was watching over me while I was picking up the trash. I didn't see it again after that. I still went into the woods to play, hoping it would come back, but it didn't. As I've grown older, I'm sure that this black creature was a Bigfoot. I was underway on a submarine. There were about 125 men on board, but I was standing lookout on the surface. So it was just me and a single officer on the bridge. Normally, we would also have a gunner up there, but we were in the about as far from any other human as you can physically be on Earth, over one of the deepest parts of the ocean in the middle of the night. Mind you, in the sail bridge of a submarine, you're twenty-ish feet above the surface of the water. Well, on one of my visual sweeps, I notice I cannot see the stern light. I tell the officer because if the stern light is out, you are breaking the law. Then we both realize the entire boat is slowly disappearing below us. It was a large, slow-moving wave crawling up the ship. When we were at the top of the wave, I put my hand down and touched the water. Again, I should have been more than 20 feet above that water. If that wave had been another 10 feet higher, there is a good chance the officer and I would not be alive. Our self-inflating vests would have gone off and we would have been anchored to the ship by our harnesses, helpless little boys getting dragged along by the ship and ocean. Then we would have crashed against the hull and masts as the wave passed. We immediately called the captain to secure the bridge because of hazardous conditions, and he approved of this. When we got below decks, we found out that the wave had drained hundreds of thousands gallons of seawater through the drainage ports in the sails. This was an otherwise calm night. We were often told to be on the lookout for rogue waves, especially then, because two sailors on another submarine had been killed by one a few months earlier. The only rogue wave I ever experienced I could not see coming till it was at my feet. After years of sailing, this was the night I truly realized what a scary place the ocean could be. So back in high school, when I lived in my hometown, I used to go stargazing at night by hiking into the hills. One of my favorite points overlooked a large housing tract on the north side of the town, but was relatively secluded with how the hills formed a crest line. Above these residences, 
More importantly, this crest line blocked a significant amount of light pollution and allowed for better star viewing. So one night, I took a friend with me up into the hills to go stargazing. She and I were pretty alright friends, but I mostly asked her along because I preferred not to be alone out at night if I could help it. Plus, I was definitely feeling down and needed someone to talk with about how I'd been feeling lately. So while we're stargazing, she and I got to talking, and eventually I really broke down and cried. We had probably been up there at least a few hours, so it was really late at this point, and we were about a mile up in the hills. So as I'm calming down, my friend gets really quiet. I notice she's staring up into the peaks of the foothills, and I follow her gaze. And I follow her gaze, and up behind the peaks, I suddenly noticed there's an incredibly dark patch in the sky. Now to elaborate a little, at this point I wasn't on drugs or drinking or in any way hallucinating. In fact, at the time I really prided myself on always relying on rational and reasonable explanations for a phenomenon in the world. But this was something otherworldly. The best I can describe this thing was as a relatively large, dark patch, seemingly spherical in shape but also with something more angular orbiting its center. As though the orbiting object was turning itself end over end, while the central gyroscope-like center was flying in a wide arc around the foothill mountaintops. It felt as though it was relatively close, as these foothills are not particularly tall, but was entirely silent. She and I watched the thing fly for a few minutes, whereby it dipped behind some hills and never resurfaced. I will say we definitely saw it weave its way around some peaks, so it wasn't just something teethed and certainly wasn't something floating without direction. The thing had deliberate slow movement, always turning end over end around that inner sphere circle-like object. It wasn't easy to see because of the low light conditions, but the stars and hills provided some backdrop to distinguish the figure from the background. Now, logically, we both agreed that there had to be an explanation. Our hometown features a reserve air force base and it is possible that it was something for meteorological purposes or even something more stealthy from the base. But to this day, she and I have no idea what we saw in those hills. After that object dipped away, we promptly hiked back to our car and drove off. We kept talking about it for the rest of the night freaking each other out with alien stories about potentially avoiding being abducted, but to this day I maintain it was probably military-related. Anyway, that's my UFO story. I have a number of other hiking camping stories too, but this one seemed to be the most creepy. Though there was also the time I was on a three-day hike in the desert, found a knife in some rocks on the first day, and then on the second night had the sky open up and reveal thousands of stars due to natural phenomenon unbeknownst to me at the time. It was mysterious and amazing when I was in the moment of it, though. I was working on a pot farm in the Trinity Pines, which is like the size of a subdivision, and the properties are divided up like that too, so there's one thousands of one, two-acre pot farms right next to each other. The pines are notorious for people disappearing, large grow operations, and crime in general. 
A friend and I were headed into town to get pizza and supplies for the roughly 20 people we were working on the hill with. It's about a 30-45 minute trip down dirt roads through the holler to a highway that leads into town. But it's only about 12-15 miles away. It was early evening, late afternoon. About 20 minutes into our trip, right before we're off the mountain, this girl comes running out of the trees, flagging us down. We stop and let her into car, thinking she's another trimmer who just wants a ride into town. I immediately notice she looks frantic, so I ask her if she is all right, and she responds in French, in very broken English. From what I could gather, she had escaped from a trim job. They had her shackled or handcuffed to a workspace, and she ran for it when they let her off to piss. Apparently, she ran straight down the mountain and straight into us. She said the people who took her captive were Nazis, and they had guns. We ended up dropping her off at the police station in town. This is a strange one. A little over a year ago, back in 2018, in the Grand Teton National Park, I had an encounter with a creature that I simply cannot identify. I have searched and scoured online and have not found anything that resembles the being that I saw. I try not to speak of this often as I fear I will be thought of as a loon. During the summer of 2018, I was working for the National Park Service in the Grand Teton National Park, specifically in the Inner Lakes District. This was my first year in the position, and I was assigned to work at a campground on Blacktail Butt just outside the main park. I was busy closing the campground with two other co-workers alongside me. As I was counting the money from the evening before, I heard a very distinct but strange, unmistakable howl coming from the west of the campground. The sound seemed to be coming from the base of the mountain. The campground was located at the base of Blacktail Butt a small mountain just on the outskirts of the park. From my location, I could see that the sound was coming from the direction of the mountain. There were three other campgrounds located near the mountain, so I could observe all the other campers and employees in the area. For the most part, there were no campers with their dogs in their campsites, so that possibility was checked off. Nor were there any visible dogs in the area. I was trying to determine what this howl was, or if maybe there was a wolf, but the howl was unlike that of a coyote or a wolf. It was very different, difficult to describe. It was similar to the recording of Bigfoot calls that you can hear online. Off the top of my head, I want to say there are the Ohio calls you can look up. I'm sure it's on YouTube, as is everything nowadays. I continued to listen. And as I did, all the other rangers in the area seemed to listen as well. I began asking my co-workers if they had heard the sound, but apparently nobody had heard it from their location. I felt silly, so I kept my mouth shut. After a few moments, I heard another howl, similar but not exactly the same, coming from the same location. I've never heard a coyote or a wolf make a sound like this. It's hard to describe, really. It was then that I realized that none of the other rangers were acknowledging the sounds. They acted strange, nervous, and quick-eyed. It felt as though they had heard it, but were choosing not to say anything. What did they know that I did not? Just as I was almost ready to pack up and leave, I heard a co-worker on the radio. He was calling for a minute. 
As I was leaving, I could see a person walking in the area of the house. They were staying in the tree line, but moving steadily up the mountain. I got closer and asked my co-worker if he had seen anybody in the area. He told me that he, too, had been walking around and patrolling the area. I informed him of the sounds I had heard. I wasn't sure what they were, but they were coming from the back part of the campground. He got nervous almost instantly. The second I brought it up, he got close to me and whispered in my ear that he's pretty sure he saw a tall, dark figure moving around on the back section of the park. He said he didn't get a good look at them and claimed he did not want to. He felt an immediate sense of danger and fear. As he spoke to me, I could tell from his voice and body language that he was genuinely concerned. I drove a little bit further trying to see what it was that he saw. He had told me it was on the back section of the park, and that's exactly where I went. After a while, I'm pretty sure I saw what he saw because what I saw was approximately seven feet tall and had the same dark color. I tried to get a better look at it, but I could tell it was right near the edge of the tree line. It had already moved into the tree line, coming from a large meadow. I even told my other rangers about it, but they would not speak to me. About it. In fact, one told me to stop talking about it if I knew what was good for me. This particular ranger has not spoken to me since and refuses to. After I saw this thing enter the tree line, I decided not to follow it. Another thing to keep in mind is that it was pouring down rain during this time, and even then, the ground was hard. There should have been tracks. I went back later to look, but I did not find any, especially in the wet portion of the grass where I saw this thing enter the tree line. It was very strange how I did not find any tracks at all, be it boot prints or animal tracks. After returning to the office, I kept hearing the howls again. Almost all night, this time there were multiples, one coming from the north end of the campground and the other from the east. My belief is that there were two of these creatures communicating back and forth with each other. So now, if I ever hear or experience anything strange, I don't really talk about it with my colleagues. For whatever reason, they seem hell-bent on keeping everything a big secret or conspiracy. I'm not really sure why, but they refuse to talk about it. Perhaps the refusal to acknowledge the existence of these creatures helps them cope with day-to-day -day life. But for me, I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. Lastly, I would like to assure you that what I saw was simply not a person, nor was it a person in a costume, because what I saw could not be explained as such. The proportions were so off and distorted that it would not make sense. The movement alone was different. I also apologize in advance for not having the most descriptive story and account, but you get what you get. Thank you greatly for taking the time to listen to my story. This incident took place when I was in about sixth grade. I'm from Ohio, closer to Kentucky, and we lived in a rural area very far away from people. Our only neighbors were the two houses on the sides of us. We lived in the middle house. I was really bored one day and decided to walk through the cow pasture behind my house and into the woods. I began walking and hopped the fence leading into the woods, just exploring for a good hour or so. I didn't stray far, but far enough that I couldn't see my house. 
As I walked, I got the sense of being watched. That's when I noticed an extremely large buck, bigger than what I'm used to seeing. The antlers were wider than its actual body and seemed sharper than they should have been. It was standing about twenty or so feet away, kind of hidden in the tree line. It was standing at an angle, and it seemed freakishly tall for a deer. The back legs were bent weirdly, and I couldn't see the front hooves. I thought it might be territorial, so I started to back away slowly, not making eye contact. Eventually, I moved out of its line of sight and started heading home. I remember it following me, but still at a distance. There was a noticeable rotting smell, which seemed stronger the closer I got to the deer. As I made my way out of the forest and into the cow pasture, I looked back and it was standing on the edge of the forest land. It seemed weird, but I shrugged it off. Later that night, around 2-4 a.m., I heard banging outside my window. My window was about ten-ish feet off the ground and faced the back of the house, towards the cow pasture. I sat up in my bed, which was pressed up against the window, and peeked out. To my horror, I saw the deer scratching and tapping its antlers against the wall of the house. I tried to shoo it away by making noise, but this caused it to look up and stare at me with its piercing, empty eye sockets. Then it slammed its head harder into the wall before standing up on its back legs and stretching. It began pounding and clawing at the wall, slamming into my window, causing the glass to crack. I let out a blood-curdling scream which seemed to anger it. My stepdad came running into my room, ready to scream at me, but then he saw the deer trying to climb its way into my window. It was letting out grunts as it clawed at the wall and its antlers broke through the glass. I fell out of my bed as my stepdad ran to grab his shotgun, firing off rounds into the creature's head. As he did this, the creature wailed like a human, almost letting out angry screams before falling back out of the window and crashing to the grass. My stepdad kept firing at it as it continued to wail before it ran back into the woods in a manner resembling that of a human. Months after this incident, I was living with my grandparents when we received a call that my stepdad had died in an ATV accident that day. What they failed to mention was the fact that the ATV wasn't what killed him. When he initially crashed, he was paralyzed and unable to move, but he was still alive. What happened next was gruesome. He was eaten alive. Half his face, chest muscles, and arm were gone, and they assumed it was wild animals. But the only tracks they found were deer hoof prints. To this day, I don't know what it was. I was told to never talk about it. But now that I live in a city, I wanted answers. So what do you think? Tisgah National Forest is a place where this happened. Being a park ranger in this breathtaking wilderness was a dream come true for me. I'm Emily, a diligent and dedicated protector of nature. I love this job, wildlife and clean air that cannot be found elsewhere. Anyway, one day I had received reports of unruly visitors led by a notorious troublemaker named Jake causing havoc and disregarding the park's rules. It was my duty to confront them and ensure the safety of the wildlife they were threatening. They basically scared animals and threw rocks at them. So I approached the group, making my presence known. Excuse me, I called out, trying to maintain my composure. 
You are violating park regulations, and I'll have to ask you to stop. Jake, a smug smirk on his face, turned to face me. Oh, look who it is, he sneered. The park ranger with no power. What are you going to do? Write us a ticket. I took a deep breath, trying to keep my temper in check. If you continue this behavior, I will have no choice but to remove you from the park. Respect the rules and the wildlife or face the consequences. Laughter erupted from Jake's group as they mocked my authority. With a defiant whoop, they sprinted into the depths of the woods. Disappearing from sight, I shook my head in frustration, knowing I couldn't let them get away with their reckless actions. So the next day, a chilling phone call shattered the tranquility of my morning. A murder had occurred within the National Forest, and it was in the same area where Jake and his friends had fled. Arriving at the crime scene, a shiver ran down my spine. The sight before me was like one in slasher horror movies. The bodies of Jake and his... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. His friends lay sprawled across the forest floor, lifeless and mangled. Horror washed over me as I examined the claw marks deeply etched into their flesh. These marks were like nothing I had ever seen before, resembling the powerful imprints of an enormous bird of prey, but larger, much larger. As I stood there, a chilling realization began to take shape in my mind. Could it be possible that they had fallen victim to a cryptid, a creature akin to the Bigfoot or the terrifying dogman? The thought sent shivers down my spine. We waited for police to come, and as we were waiting, I analyzed bodies. Those marks were too deep to be of animal or human origin. This was something else. Also, one thing was also suspicious to me. Instead of police, five men in black came and threatened us to leave the crime scene and not spoke of the murders again. Why, I wonder. Solo distance cycling through rural Minnesota a few years ago, probably 40 miles from anything except cows and corn. 
Midday, I stop off in an old family cemetery plot in the middle of nowhere to drink Gatorade and smoke a bowl. Sitting stoned in the shade and taking a moment to relax, I distinctly smell cigarette smoke. I don't smoke tobacco. I am alone to the horizon in every direction. Then I turn and around and there is a full cigarette smoking in the overgrown grass right behind me. I know deep down there was probably a rational explanation, but I choose to believe that some lonely old farmer ghost just wanted to chill in the shade and have a smoke with someone. I spent the last year traveling and working around the outback. One night in far western Queensland, I was driving between two towns, about 360 kilometers between the two and being Australia, there is sweet fall in between when I spotted a headlight coming the other direction. As I got closer, it appeared to be only a single headlight, so I assumed it was a motorbike. And then I drove underneath it. I nearly shat myself. I was that startled. I jumped on the brakes and swung around, got out of the car about 100 meters down the road and walked towards it. This pulsating light about 20 feet above the ground and about 30 centimeters in radius, being probably the only human being for 50 kilometers in the middle of the desert, at 11.30 at night, I will tell you it freaked me the fuck. I recounted the events to a bunch of locals the next day and they said it was a known phenomenon known as the men-men and as far as I'm aware there is no real scientific explanation. Ever since then, oncoming cars became a lot more interesting. A friend of mine is a diver and told me of a hideous moment he had once while alone in the darkness. He was employed to collect sponges around a reef at night somewhere in Australia. Him and his friend would set off in opposite directions round the reef and meet in the middle. One night he was making his way round when his torch started to stop working. He proceeded to start banging the torch on his hand to try and stir new life into the batteries which was making the torch flicker on and off. Eventually the torch turned on for a brief moment, just long enough for him to see a large shark staring at him from a few feet away. Then the torch switched off again, leaving him in. Pitch black. Nope. I used to hunt in AWWMA and had a trail that was the best for any hunting. It was my go-to, deer, turkey, hog, you name it. One afternoon during deer season, I decided to go further down the trail than I normally do. As I get further down, I start to feel like I'm being followed. I chalk it up to just being alone in the woods and letting my mind play tricks on me. Finally, I find the spot I want to hook my climber to, so I make my way through some pretty thick brush and get to the tree. I hook up and climb and get comfortable. About 15 minutes later, I hear whispering. It's so faint I can't make out what is being said. Then I hear footsteps, so I get as still as I can be. When I hunt in a climber, I like to camo the F up so I'm covered from head to toe. Then I start to hear the voices getting closer, and I can make out what's being said. It's tow guys talking and saying, did you see where he went? And then another voice responds and says, just keep looking and be ready. 
They finally come into my field of vision, and it's actually a group of six guys, all armed but dressed in regular clothes, clearly not out to hunting. Luckily, they have no idea I'm in a climber, and they aren't looking in the trees. They don't say anything else but continue down the trail, looking around and pointing their guns like they're ready to shoot the first thing they see. I don't know what their plan was, but I got the F out of there before I could find out, and I started hunting in a different part of that WMA after that. So I don't typically believe this kind of stuff, but I had a strange encounter a while back that I was telling my co-worker about, and they insisted I saw a rake. I've been doing some research since I had no idea what it was, and it looks very similar to what I saw. Anyway, I was driving home from work at 1.30 a.m. about two months ago, and, and was heading down this typically busy side street, except since it was late. There wasn't a lot of traffic, just a jeep in front of me. As I was driving around a bend in the road, I saw in my peripheral this figure to my right, by the sidewalk, standing between two small trees held up by wire supports. The creature was standing kind of behind them. At first I thought it was just a big slender dog, like a white greyhound or Great Dane that escaped and seemed to be standing and barking at traffic by the sidewalk. I only noticed it as I began to pass by it. As I passed by it, though I quickly noticed it appeared to have a humanoid-shaped head with black eyes, a hunched back posterior, and a long-stretched mouth like it was screaming. I was going about 45 miles per hour when I passed, and it was dark out. I thought to myself, ye WTF was that, so I slowed down quickly to look back, and... In my mirror, I saw the creature turn around and run towards a wood fence, but as it ran, I saw how tall and slender the creature was. It seemed pale with a kind of anorexic appearance. It moved strangely, and its leg joints were inverted and bent the opposite direction. At that point, I was seriously creeped out. The jeep in front of me also slowed down, so I could only assume they saw it too. We both kept driving as it was late and couldn't stop in the middle of the road, but that situation really made my skin crawl. I kept checking my mirrors for the rest of the drive home and debating if I should have called a non-emergency line to have an officer check it out, but I told myself they would think I was an idiot. Now every night when I take that road, I look around to see if I can spot it aging. I really want to believe it was just a dog. But I can't stop thinking about how strangely it moved with its backwards knees. I haven't talked about this much except to my co-worker, because quite frankly it sounds ridiculous. I'm just wondering WTFI actually saw, and if it's something I should even be talking about, or if I should continue to pretend I never saw anything and just move on with my life. My great-grandfather did trucking for a while. I also know quite a few drivers. I might do it eventually. I've heard anything from guys being hopped up on Red Bull or Monster Energy and seeing a, quote, pink piggy with a tutu dancing in the street in the middle of the night. Whenever anyone saw that it was time to pull off and go to bed, no matter how stretched for time you were, a relative of mine saw some 60-foot icicles somewhere in Virginia. 
I honestly don't remember where it was. Probably one of the most dangerous was when me and my dad were waiting for a delivery, and it was just after 4.45 a.m. At this point, and the driver called my dad and said he'd hit a power line just down the road, me and my dad hopped in the car to check on the guy. He's a friend. And he said some hillbilly-looking guy missing a fee teeth came out of nowhere and said, Oh, you ain't got nothing to worry about. That's just a cable line. Cable meaning telephone internet. The guy picks up the line with his bare hands and pulls it off the road and walks off. That was just weird. I don't know if that's what you guys are looking for, but that's the weirdest stuff I got. I work as a broadcast engineer. One night in September 2015, I received a phone call around 9.30, p.m. from the on-duty engineer that our OTAA over the air. Signal had gone out, and we were off the air on our OTA platform. The call was with several other engineers, as well as my boss at the time. We figured out that the problem was at our transmitter and must be corrected manually. My boss asked for someone to volunteer to go with him, and after a few seconds of awkward silence, I offered. So our IRF transmitter site was located on top of Beacon Mountain in Beacon, New York, which was about an hour plus from our station. At the time, I had never been up there, so going in the middle of the night was a little spooky. I met my boss, and we drove together, got to the mountain a little before midnight. The road up the mountain to the transmitter site is a long, narrow, windy, and steep dirt road with a lot of big, loose rocks. So the drive up and down is scary enough. I can't emphasize enough how dark this drive was. Like pitch black, a few times while going up we would see headlights coming towards us of people out with their off-road jeeps, which wouldn't be as weird if it weren't the middle of the night. We also saw two different campfires deep in the woods, which I just assumed were groups of locals hanging out drinking. My boss told me that locals hung out near the transmitter site sometimes and should be avoided as they had a tendency to be sketchy. It didn't seem too sketchy to me, but what did I know? It was my first time there. My boss also told me that he never travels to that mountain without a gun. He said it's more than the locals. I've seen stuff out here. I can't really explain. We get to the top, do our work on our transmitter, close everything up, and start to head back down. As we were heading down, we were at a particularly steep part of the road when you have to ride your brake, because the car won't stop till the incline levels out a little. All of a sudden, three deer sprint out in front of us, not even looking at our oncoming car, causing us to swerve since we were already riding the brake. The front of the car hit a rock, which stopped our momentum. My boss instantly turned the car off, and once the sound of the engine died, we heard something big run the opposite direction, away from the road, up the natural slope of the hill. I shined my flashlight in the direction, but whatever it was was already out of sight. We could still see branches moving and leaves settling from being disturbed by whatever ran away. I asked my boss if he thought that was another deer or possibly a bear, and he replied, bears run on all fours. Whatever that was ran on two legs. And bears don't hunt deer. Something was chasing them. When we first heard the footsteps, 
I would estimate they were as close as ten, fifteen feet from the car when it started to run away, but appeared to be standing over us as there was a natural incline up the mountain. There are a few logical explanations like that. My boss was just trying to scare me, or that it was a local walking. Running through the woods, but here are a few things to consider. Yes, it could have been a person walking alone through the woods, but why chase the deer? And why run away from the car? Also, whatever ran away was out of sight quickly, like within three, four seconds of starting to run up the hill. This person would have to be in the greatest shape ever to run that quickly up this hill. This also sounded way too big to be a bobcat, mountain lion, or coyote. My boss is not the kind of guy that would try to scare people. He's a very stern, all-business type of guy. He seemed pretty rattled by this and wanted to get off the mountain ASAP. He later confided in me that he thought it may have been a Bigfoot. I ended up going back up that mountain many more times before leaving for a new job, and I never saw or heard anything like that night. However, I never went back after sunset. I no longer work for this company, and this company no longer owns the transmitter site, so I will likely never have a reason to go back. I don't know of any reported sightings or experiences in the area, but I do know that over the years there have been many car accidents on that road. I assume all the accidents are due to the poor condition of it, but honestly, I have no idea. The year was 1970. I worked for Caltrans as a right-of-way agent for the state of California. I was taking some legal documents over to Bakersfield to have a county judge sign. I was traveling on Route 50, 8 west of Mojave towards Bakersfield and east of Tehachapi in my 1957 Chevrolet state car. A state highway maintenance crew was repairing the westbound lanes. Traffic was stopped in these two lanes for up to 15 minutes. I pulled right off of the highway to a dirt and gravel turnout and backed up to a low-level brush and rock area with no dirt roads behind me. I sat in the car for a few minutes and decided to take a look at the documents I was taking to Bakersfield for the judge. Before I got the documents out, I noticed something in my rear view's mirror and turned to see what it was. I was amazed to see a vehicle directly behind my car with two individuals wearing gray-white suits. Mine was the only car on the turnout. No car could have possibly gone around the front or the back without me seeing or hearing it. There was no sound at all. I continued to look directly at the car and individuals directly through the back window. The car was maroon in color with a dark top. The grille looked similar to an older Buick. The license plate was light in color with no discernible markings. The two individuals in the car stated wore jump-type suits with no buttons. They were slender with no visible hat or hair, and their bodies appeared to be smaller than the average-sized man. Their eyes were very dark and semi-oval, little larger than a normal human. They stared at me and never blinked. They both had two small holes for their nose, very small mouths, no lips, and I couldn't see any ears. Nor could I see their arms due to their car hood hiding over half of their bodies. After a few minutes of staring at each other, I noticed light traffic starting to slowly move on the highway again to the west. 
So I drove from my parking area out to the paved highway going towards Bakersfield again. The highway's westbound lanes were now open for the public. I was driving about normal speed in the right-hand lane, just west of where the state construction was. Looking to my left, I saw a maroon car driving at my speed, parallel to me with the same individuals I had seen at the turnout. The driver looked continuously to the front. I immediately noticed that he had no nose, and he was bald. The passenger in the car was again staring directly at me. We drove parallel to each other for about 15 seconds. I didn't know what to do, so I waved my hand at them as if to say goodbye. They immediately sped down the highway and disappeared around a moderate curve to the right. I sped up to try and see the maroon car again, but it had disappeared. There were rather steep rock cliffs on the right side and no place to turn off the highway. The next day, driving from Bakersfield to Bishop, I stopped at the same turnout of my first encounter and went to the same spot. I saw my tire tracks from the previous day, but saw no other tracks behind mine. Wow. As you might deduce, I've never breathed a word of these happenings for decades to anyone for fear of being ridiculed. I've mulled over this experience many times over the years. This is my true story of a very strange, mysterious, and profound event. On my boat 35 miles due east off the coast of Asbury Park, New Jersey, left from Sandy Hook, been fishing all day chumming the waters for blues and what have ya. It was sweltering hot and just my buddy and I with four poles out and hours have passed. We're sitting on deck chairs that put our head height just below the rear deck gunwales so our vision is trained on the poles and not our surroundings. Around 1 p.m. comes and the sun is just beating us up. And my friend says, I'm so hot I'm going to jump in the water and starts to take off his shirt. I immediately tell him, no way are you doing that. We've been chumming for five hours now. And it's a very bad idea. A shark will get you. I tell him take a gallon of water out of the fridge and to douse himself. So he goes to the galley, fetches the water, and stands up in the aft cockpit and cools himself off and then comes back to the lower deck and plops back down in the deck chair and says, I feel much better. I then say, yeah, at least you weren't shark bait. And two seconds later, we hear the unmistakable loud bang of a gun. We both shoot up. And as we do, we hear another shot and yank our necks to the forward starboard, where there is another boat we did not even know was there with one guy hanging on to a rod for dear life, and another guy leaning over pointing a shotgun into the water while he fires off another round. After another fifteen minutes or so, they attempt to haul this beast, lurking below, into the boat. By now, we know it's a shark, but the size and type is what really threw me off. It was a nine-feet bull shark. First off, a bull shark is a known human attacker and surely would have gone after my friend had he jumped in. And secondly, why was it so far off in deep water? It could have been the most unlucky coincidence ever. After consulting the water temp charts later that evening, it seems it probably followed the prevailing warm current so far offshore, and doing so was definitely out of its normal hunting grounds, and likely very hungry as they caught it on a six-pound snapper as bait. It would have loved my two-hundred-pound friend to death, 
We fished together many times after that, and not once did he ever mutter the thought of jumping in to cool off. We were hunting antelope in a very remote spot in the west desert of Utah. We were four hours' drive from the nearest town and had camped several miles off the nearest road or marked trail. I remember it being the darkest night I've ever experienced. Could not see my hand in front of my face, but the stars were amazing. I awoke in the middle of my sleep to the sound of a low-flying plane. We opened the tent to see a small plane coming in for a landing on the other side of a hill. We were scared out of our minds as we were in a spot probably few people have ever been in. An hour later, we heard the plane take off into the night sky. We couldn't sleep after that. The next morning, we climbed the hill and slowly peered over to see a makeshift runway there in the desert. We've tried to find the spot on Google Maps for years with no luck and still aren't sure what to make of it all. Truck driver here. About a year ago, I was stopped at a Flying J in Indiana. There was plenty of parking, so I parked way in the back, away from everyone else, to enjoy the quiet. I took my dog for a run, took a shower, and went to sleep. Later on in the night, I started to have terrible nightmares. I can't remember the details, but it was seventh level of hell type of shit. Finally, I wake from my horror, and I just hear these hell beasts whining, screaming, and wailing. The most awful noises you have ever heard in your life. Confused and dazed, I roll around in the sleeper a little and try to get my bearings. I figure the sounds are part of my dream, and I'm not really awake. Well, the nightmares and the sounds continue. Finally, I get out of the sleeper and check my mirrors. I see a livestock hauler parked next to me. Weird. He could have parked in a secluded area like I did. Most livestock guys do this anyways. I figure he's just got some hogs that are going nuts. I'm too tired to move my truck, so I go back to sleep. I wake up a little while later to the nightmares and sounds again. I have to pee, so I figure I'll get out and see what the hell is going on. I get up to the cab and see that the livestock hauler is gone and the sounds have suddenly stopped. I start to question my sanity for a minute. As I open my door to get out, my dog wakes up and follows me. This is when I really start to think I might be going nuts. My dog was asleep for the entire ordeal. He never even flinched. He's also a border collie, so when there's livestock around, he gets hyper and in a hurting mood. I take a leak, get back in the truck, and go back to sleep. It was a really weird couple of hours. I'm from Mexico, and I attended a university near Amarillo, Texas. The journey from Mexico usually took around 10 hours by car, and the route was predominantly characterized by sprawling ranches and picturesque forests. On one particular occasion, I made the decision to begin my drive from Mexico at 8 p.m., aiming to travel throughout the night and avoid heavy traffic. As the clock struck midnight, I found myself passing by a series of ranches near San Antonio. The surrounding landscape was serene and bathed in the pale glow of the moon. 
It was then that something unexpected unfolded before my eyes, an encounter that would forever linger in my memory. A deer emerged from the darkness, gracefully crossing the highway directly in front of me. However, what set this sighting apart from any other was the peculiar way it moved. To my astonishment, the deer walked upright, using only its hind legs, resembling the gait of a human. I couldn't believe my eyes as I witnessed this extraordinary sight, a creature defying nature's expectations. As I processed the surreal scene before me, an eerie sensation washed over me. Suddenly, amidst the quiet solitude of the night, my mother's voice pierced through the air, echoing as if she were right there beside me within the confines of the truck. Her voice carried an urgent tone, filled with alarm and distress. Startled, I frantically scanned the vehicle, searching for any trace of my mother's presence. Yet the cabin remained empty, devoid of any physical manifestation of her being. Confusion and a sense of unease gripped my heart. 